Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Night Owl, and this is Deep Thoughts After Dark. In this episode, I will be talking about the mind and the energy we create through our thoughts and actions that resonate in the world we live in and how it affects both ourselves, the others around us, and the world we live in. What are affirmations and how science has proven that positive thoughts and eliminating self-harming language is the key to a happier and healthier life? Thank you for tuning in, and now a word from this week's sponsor. As you know, Canada will be phasing out single-use plastics in the near future, with the hope that many countries will follow suit. But it is estimated that North America uses well over 100 billion plastic bags a year, with only 1% of all plastic bags and throw-away single-use plastics being recycled. Over 100 million animals a year are killed due to plastic in our oceans, and it is estimated that 1 in 3 leatherback turtles are found with plastic in their stomach. So how do you help while saving money in the long run and helping the economy? Well, I'm glad you asked. A friend of mine started their own line of beeswax wraps called Bewitched Wax Wraps. Beeswax wraps are a sustainable alternative to plastic wraps made from beeswax, 100% cotton, jojoba oil, and tree resin. They are perfect for wrapping up fruits, vegetables, cheese, covering leftovers, and anything you would normally use plastic cling wrap for. The breathability of the cotton and the beeswax allows your items to stay fresher longer. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Bewitched Wax Wraps, where you can also place your orders. They offer delivery and shipping within Canada. Feel good about reducing your plastic waste and supporting homemade goods from Gatineau, Quebec. Thank you, Bewitched Wax Wraps, for sponsoring this video. Alright, let's get right into it guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is my first solo podcast uh, that I'm going to be starting in the new year. Uh, I've revamped my new logo. I've got a new process that I'm going to be doing and I'm going to be releasing one episode every week uh, and doing deep research on things that will make you think deep thoughts after dark. So in today's podcast, like I said in the intro, I'll be talking about the mind, the subconscious mind, different energies that we create in our lives, and a little bit how we can go about changing it, and my own personal experience and some stories that I have that associate with these subjects. Um, So I just want to start off with an example of what I mean by self-harming language and energy. So, for example, if you say to someone, I fucking hate you and I never want to see you again, there's a lot of things that really happen. First, you bind yourself to a notion in your mind of a promise wrapped in hate and pain. This then seeps into your subconscious mind and permeates your actions when you're controlled with a thought or a mention of a physical interaction with that person and attachment memories that you have to them in your mind. Then, uh, the person receiving the negative outpour of verbal cues, such as I fucking hate you, uh, and energy, then begins to to reflect on those memories, desires, and emotions. So then they start imprinting negative energy onto their thoughts, memories, and physical and verbal representation of you. And then thirdly, that energy is then carried around everywhere with both of you, and then the people that you may connect to in your lives or intertwine with 
get affected by it. This can really probably spread like wildfire as people are social and interactive species and uh, are emotional. So by holding on to our pain and hate of a person or an event in time, we allow more pain and negative energy to prosper. <clears throat> this is allowing negative repercussions to occur. So such things as depression, ad addiction, anxiety, insomnia, social dysfunctions, sickness, uh, degeneration of cellular recovery, feelings of lower self-worth, and what we shamans call soul loss. And soul loss, uh, if you were to put it into words, a fragmented crystallized portion of your soul, which is corrupted and then taken away to a shadow realm within your soul and mind. And it kind of waits there to be reunited with your true self. And this oftentimes uh, can cause imbalances in your life. And uh, this doesn't mean that you have to like love everyone and allow everyone in your life. You can choose to not speak or associate with people. Just do it from respect and love for yourself. Because uh, by cleansing ourselves of unwanted negative energy and thoughts, we can begin to make change for good. But how do we categorize positive thinking? Positive thinking is making the best out of every situation, focus on what we can control, letting go of what we cannot, and search for ways to improve our situation in striving to learn the lessons in every bad situation. There is no bad, there is no good, and being present is the best gift we can give ourselves and to others. So now I'm going to get into a little bit of the science uh, that backs up to some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast, uh, because I feel like it is essential. Um, you know, after doing a lot of research into magic and, you know, like old studies of alchemy and stuff like that, it's it's really that all magic at one time or all science, I should say, was magic at one time and it was the unknown and like I said a little bit about uh, soul loss it can be described as forgotten or lost memories that uh, that we hide away in ourselves so there's a lot of dualities and like similar language it's just with shamans it deals with soul and then with psychology it deals with the mind but I feel that they're both entwined in the same so that's why I've included a little bit of science into this and just gives it a little bit more lividity and it's cool so so i'm going to talk a little bit about a study conducted uh on the psychological stress that a human system on the human immune system i should say sorry uh and it looked into the effects on the body uh on a cellular level uh when the body is dealt with or the mind and body are dealt with stress for prolonged periods of time or short term like taking an exam or, so, or something in their study, they explained that chronic stress is an emotional pressure suffered for a prolonged period of time in which an individual perceives they have little or no control. It involves an indoctrine of system response in which corticosteroids are released. Such stress can include unemployment, traumatic injuries, chronic illness, or situations in which a person, uh, person's social identity is forcefully changed. Example becoming a caretaker for a loved one who falls ill. Across all demographics, research has found that chronic stress triggered global immunosuppression, which is the decrease of all functional immunity. Whew, some big words in there. 
So the key takeaway from the study is that when we are stressed for a long period of time, our body's immune system sits out and during that depression, and it kind of just waits for orders to happen. Uh, and it stops uh, fighting against ailments, viruses, and normal cellular repair in our bodies. Uh, but when we add positive thinking and an active lifestyle, uh, the immune system response uh, starts upping its natural killer cells numbers and it actually suppresses uh, cytotoxic lymphocytes, which is basically bad cells in our bodies. Uh, and the study also goes on to talk about how uh, elderly people can really help from this as it does help prolong life. Um, a, a perfect example is that whenever someone loses a loved one in their older age, uh, they tend to pass very soon after. Well, it's because in their mind they're ready to pass and their body's like, okay, let's go. And that's whenever those cytotoxin lymphotics uh, start being released and they pass away and they join their loved ones. Um, so I'm going to get a little bit into what now, what science says about positive reinforcement. Uh, so affirmations and self-belief. So there was a study done uh, by a new, four colleges. It was like a joint study uh, by King's College in London, UK, um, Curtin University in Perth, Australia, University of California, and uh, Berkshire Healthcare Foundation and Trust in the UK as well. Uh, and in their study, they kind of outline what GAD is and generalized anxiety disorder, which can be explained as like a constant worrying and the effects it has on our minds. People who show this type of disorder are constantly bombarded with the ideas and imagery of unforgettable outcomes and creating a constant mindset of negativity. This disorder is usually in people with severe anxiety disorders, but can also be found in people that have like prolonged states of negative thinking or in a life crisis such as a job loss or a loss of a loved one. So in the study, they go on to state, encouraging imagery of alternate positive outcomes might be particularly helpful by competing in an effective valence with the usual negative content of worrying. In the study, they found that practice and thinking about worry topics in more positive ways, whether verbal or in images, reduce a subsequent intrusion of compared with worry in verbal form. Although this reduction was not significantly greater than, than seen following similar practice using imagery of negative outcomes. They do go on to say that only by practicing positive thinking, uh, you can reduce the ob obsession of negative outcomes and create more positive mindsets. Another great one uh, field of research is neuroplasticity. Uh, is another fabulous field of research that has lots of scientific research to back the claim. Um, it basically is the ability for neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization. These changes range from individual neurons making new connections or systematic adjustments like cortical remapping. Uh, examples of neuroplasticities include um, network changes that result from learning a new ability, environmental influences, uh, practice, and uh, physical stress, or sorry, psychological stress. Research has shown particularly that uh, structural neuroplasticity uh, is possible to achieve by rehardwiring one's brain by internal and external stimuli, stimuli, 
like positive thinking, repetitive gestures, and creating positive living spaces. Uh, there's a great book out there called The Brain That Changes Itself. Uh, it's by Norman Doig, I think how you pronounce his last name. Uh, it's a great book, and uh, I unfortunately regrettably lent it to an ex-girlfriend, and uh, it is no longer in my library. But uh, I'm hoping, and all the same, I'm sure it served her purpose in her hands because she was going through for nursing. So I want to talk a little bit about a story that I really liked in that one. Uh, and it's basically about a gentleman who was a university professor, and uh, he suffered a stroke. He was, old, his, he was a little bit older. He was like in his 60s or so. And uh, the stroke completely debilitated him. He was unable to walk, speak, or do anything himself. Uh, and it was up to his son to start caretaking for him. So what his dad did, uh, sorry, his son did, um, he had this idea of start starting him basically from day one. So like a baby, like teaching him how to crawl, teaching him how to walk, teach him how to feed himself. And then those motor functions started hardwiring new networks in the brain and basically allowing him to, to change his brain and create uh, pathways again so that he can function normally. An example of it would be like, say if you took a car on the highway your whole life and then there was an accident. Well, you couldn't get to work that day because that, so you'd have to find a new pathway. There's other highways you can take. You just got to kind of find it and work for it. That would be an example of how neuroplasticity works within the brain. So what he did was he basically took the his father's hand on a typewriter and would just drop it on one key to write his name out in full and eventually he was able to just instead of dropping his arm he could drop his hand and he went from his hand to his finger and then from there he was able to use the dexterity of all of his fingers eventually this professor ended up going back to university which was uh, told by his doctors that it would never be possible he ended up doing another seven or six years uh, of, of teaching and then he ended up retiring happily so I really like that story and it's a perfect example of the power of the mind and the will that we have in our lives. So now that we got a little bit of that stuff out of the way, the scientific-y stuff, uh, I wanted to get into some pseudoscience. Because why the fuck not? Let's have some fun and go deep with our thoughts. Let's let's just, let's, let's just go deep, guys. So right now I want to talk a little bit about energy and how we actually live uh, in a sea of energy that uh, we can't really see or aware of. We're only really aware of 0.1% of the total available light around us. But uh, a lot of uh, scientific books or psychology books will tell you that the brain waves actually fluctuate with the magnetic field of the earth, uh, which is measured in uh, Gauss. One Gauss is basically the uh, equal to one ten thousandth of a Tesla scale. And in nature, they vary, uh, the intensity vary in nature. But basically, most psychologists will say that the brain waves with our brain and the magnetic field tend to like fluctuate with the magnetic waves of the Earth. And it's almost connected. So, are we connected to the Earth? If we look at hammerhead sharks, you know, they follow the magnetic pull of the earth via the sensory pits underneath the, their heads. Uh, birds and animals sense them and migrate according to their changes. 
So it makes you wonder, do we change as a species when the Earth's fields change? And like, what is global consciousness? Are we all connected at a subconscious level through the emotional spectrum of thoughts and emotions? Why is it when sometimes we think of a person, we get a phone call from them or a text shortly after, and we go, man, that was weird, I was just thinking of you. Like, yeah, I was thinking about you all day too. You know, it happens all the time. What is that? Are we connected? Could it be our subconscious minds intertwined with the energies of the earth? You know, if you look back in history, we see always that any change in the world affects us personally and on an emotional and spiritual level, as if we're all connected in a hive consciousness of feelings. It's like, have you ever walked into a room and you like you feel the emotion in the room? Like if there's like a fight that just happened, you walk in and it's like you can like feel the tension in the room. Is that like just like observation of body language or is it that connection to a subconscious world of energy? So we are made up of energy. We are basically just universal stardust that vibrates and holds together through atoms. And we vibrate in all kinds of frequencies, uh, especially when we change our thoughts and our moods. Uh, every cell in our body has a vibration uh, and whether we're aware of it or not, uh, every cell is composed of energy and our potential fully resonates with that life force. Every cell in our body is affected by the emotional vibration, such as like what I said with the, uh, these, uh, the, the killer cells prior in the scientific one and that frequency we create with our will. So our thoughts and our depression and so on and so forth. Also, emotions resonate with the vibrational frequency that they generate. The higher the vibrational frequency, the higher the expansion, and the greater the life force in our cells. So, a healthier life. Uh, the lower vibration frequency, then the greater than the contraction, and the lesser the life force in our cells, the lesser. So, for example, vibration frequency of joy is 540 hertz. And it's my favorite frequency to listen to when I feel like I need to pick me up or I feel I want to accomplish something like write something out or, you know, just feel good. You know, if I'm feeling a little sad, I pop on that one. So I would like this quote by uh, Rosemary Altia, who wrote a book called Soul Signs, and I believe she's an energy worker and uh, psychologist, I believe. Uh, and she writes, energy flow influences how we process our thoughts view our lives, approach our experiences, and handle ourselves. Energy flows through us like a permanent electric current and is within us. We cannot help it, but be driven by it. It is the life force that gives us breath to our soul, life to our soul. It is our life force. End quote. So I knew somebody growing up that had like a deep hatred for someone in their family, and they held on to it for so long that it kind of perpetuated their hate and distrust of everyone around them causing them to be very like immature sporadic and without any regard to feelings or other well-being and future that's not to say that they're always like this but it was always like kind of at the back foreback of all their thoughts and how they saw life pretty like nihilistic 
they felt really alone and worthless and they felt uh, there was no cause for their existence sometimes. Uh, I know they held on to old memories that were necessary, not necessarily serving them purpose and it started creating a, a world of what they thought is how they should act on their experiences. Uh, so sometime after that, they became a father and a husband. It, uh, it hit them. He had finally realized that the pain he kept lugging around with him was the reason things never felt right and that he needed to let go of all of his pain and hatred as they served him no purpose. Nor did it really ever, but it was there. Some might say, well, he turned out fine in the end and all that. Yeah, that's true. He did turn out fine and it was a great life. He has a great life now. But he channeled his hatred and anger towards his goals, creating negative low energy around everything that eventually led to a lot of self-harming and socially unacceptable behaviors. That pain and self-harm he did in those years could have been avoided. The ripples of his actions caused others to have the same feelings and that he had about himself and uh, to look at him in an image that he did not want because of his actions and the words he chose to use, creating a need and wanting for like admiration and love from others that were far greater than what should be expected of others and walking through life needing stimulation and instant gratification. Uh, Neil Donald Walsh, which is a great shaman that my teacher follows, uh, he talks about distorted love, like there's true love and distorted love. And you can feel love, but act very not out of love. And that's what he describes as uh, distraught love, like not real love. So I want to talk about a little bit about conditioning your mind. So there's a great quote that's called the unconditioned mind into its truth to bring the mind into sharp focus and to make it alert so that it can immediately into a truth which is everywhere, the mind must be emancipated from old habits, prejudices, restrictive thought process, and even ordinary thought itself. And this was written by the great dragon himself, Bruce Lee. So right now, I want you to try and think of a time in your life that that hating or being negative about a situation or someone served you any true purpose or it turned out good in the end. I will say that as humans, we are an emotional race and that oftentimes it is merited with the loss of like loved ones or if someone hurt you or someone fucked you over and you want to kick their ass. But that is a process of human emotion and grieving. Uh, and by controlling those urges, you can foresee better outcomes. But most often people move on. But what if people don't? Can you think of that time? And like, how long did that pain last? And did it make you feel good? Or did it serve you any purpose other than to be mad or strike back with saying something foul? Like, I fucking hate you. I never want to see you again. Or something immature or sad, you know? It really holds you back from moving on and like feeling happy, right? Like, you know, did you ever, did you drink a lot that night and make a fool of yourself? Did you maybe text a bunch of people and become sporadic? Did you do nothing and bottle up inside and lie awake all night thinking, woe is me? Did you stroke your ego and go shopping or fight somebody? I'm sure we can all agree that we have a moment where we felt or did this. I know I do. (laughs) 
<laughs> I certainly do. Um, so I want to talk a little bit something uh, that was pretty cool that happened to me. Uh, while doing research for this podcast, I was pondering over it for the last week and trying to think of final touches for it. And I had hit, been hit with the synchronicity of, of a theme that I feel is uh, necessary to add it to this podcast. And while reading my newly acquired H.P. Lovecraft book with a collection of all of his stories, which I'm very excited to get into um, more because I love H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, the first story in the book is called The Cave. And after reading it and getting to the end of the story, I was somewhat disappointed with the last sentence of the story. The creature I had killed, the strange beast of an unfathomed cave, was, or at one time, been a man. End quote. I was expecting so much more from the end, but it stuck with me for some reason. Then while reading through more Joseph Campbell books, Again, researching for this podcast. I stumble upon the line, The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And it stuck with me. Because again, I was still thinking about this ending and how for some reason it was bothering me. And it also reminded me of a dream I had when I was in my youth. Of an adventure-filled dream with treasure and acquiring armor and weapons for a great battle and a full story arc of three wise women and a finally a dark dark cave with an evil monster to this day I still see in my head uh, and in the dream it was the darkness that I was seeking to conquer the monster to slay but it consumed me every time and the three wise women who were blue red and green who I believe are shamans I've met now in life that have helped me all came to my aid when I was unsuccessful. It then hit me that the cave in my dream was the fears and pain I had been holding on to, and my dream was a premonition of life and a battle with the cave. When I finally decided to go into the darkest part of myself, the cave, with all my knowledge and experiences, sword and armor, I was able to find the treasure I sought after, and that was love, peace of mind, and acceptance of who I am, who I was and who I want to become. I let go of a lot of my hate and I found that the treasure of truth within myself that I was seeking for so long. Like in the story of the cave, the man who turned into the monster was blinded, deformed and monstrous by the darkness and the cave is a metaphor for you for us becoming blind to our surroundings, deformed from our fears and lost wandering around in our humanity. So in conclusion, if you truly want to be happy and find purpose in life and peace of mind, you need to be honest with yourself and go deep into your cave, or as we shamans call it, the sacred space, and find yourself in the dark, that treasure of truth, as Joseph Campbell so put it. A dear friend of mine uh, kind of began a path of healing almost at the same time as I did, and uh, the leaps and bounds that he's come from when I first met him is just outstanding and uh, he's been also helping me along with learning this stuff and uh, he told me that through meditation he was able to go within himself and find a part of himself a dark past a dark part in his past actually and find a younger version of himself and what he did was he hugged that young person 
and that's where his innocence was taken away apparently at that point in his life at that age at the young him being a young boy and he was able to let go and move on to his true journey of healing after hugging and forgiving and setting free his younger self that fractal point in his life had caused a soul loss and as he continued in life a part of him stayed lost in the shadows of the dark forest of the shadow realm by facing the dark he found himself and was able to acquire a piece of himself and feel better happier and fuller in life and he reclaimed his innocence like a great wizard Merlin once said having no reflection you have no self-image when you're not distracted by self-image you can only be in a state of innocence so by hugging his younger self and moving on he was able to have peace of mind and return to his innocence bravo my man bravo so this internal work takes a lot of self-discipline and self-love and constant reminding so how do we remind ourselves to think positively positively every day and work on ourselves affirmations an affirmation is a statement and an attention that you write down and visualize throughout the day and week uh, throughout the month or even the year so typically uh, you would do what you would do um, is when you wake up in the morning or when you go to sleep I like to do them while I'm going to sleep and hitting some REM waves because uh, usually the answer is what I'm the answer to what I'm looking for is shown to me in the dream that I then interpret it throughout the day and explore my feelings and thoughts and I usually have a lot of deja vu when I do these things and I reflect on my dream and what it showed me excuse me and I usually come to some conclusion to my problem uh, by the end of the day or the end of the week. I could go into dreams more in depth, but I feel that's a whole other podcast in itself as I have a really good one lined up and it lies in with Joseph Campbell, myths and our dreams and destiny. So that's gonna, probably going to be my next podcast. So I'll save that one for a little bit. But a morning affirmation is great for training on your thoughts and feelings and energy to stay on a specific goal or point you into what you would like to attain. An example of an affirmation is like, I will look at, good, at the good side of everything today and forever. The language you use is crucial uh, to the effectiveness of your affirmations because positive forward words like I will, I can, I see will imprint positive non-collapsing words onto your subconscious. So like if you say, I might, I might find what I'm looking for today. So it's like you might, you might not. So you put self-doubt in your mind and you don't really get anywhere. You know, you see what you see what I mean by saying I will and having that confidence and imprinting confidence on your subconscious mind, your subconscious mind will work in your favor of looking over your shoulder throughout the day and trying to find what you're looking for, for the thing that you asked it for. So you would repeat these daily on what, when faced with a problem or to keep your energy and mind aligned. It's easy to stay, it's, it's kind of easy to uh, stray from the path and an affirmations kind of help us stay on a true to our intentions. Uh, oftentimes deviating from ourselves and succumbing to negative built up energies and thoughts from years of programming can be challenging. So I wanted to add this 
one little line that I love from a little character that I, that I grew up watching. You must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> By unlearning our old ways of seeing and being, we being to begin to find our true healing and true purpose and to find true love within ourselves. So yes, that was little green Jedi Master Yoda. And yes, I'm quoting Star Wars. But if we're following down our thoughts and feelings, we know it to be true. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Vader. <laughs> to truly face our fears, we must name them and be aware of the effect they have on our lives. So if we don't, if we don't truly look within ourselves and trust our abilities to see our greatness, we will fail every time and be seduced by that dark side, a.k.a. our non-serving, hatred, pain, and unforgiving mindsets. Affirmations can be the light to show us the way through the darkest forest of the shadows and the lies. Because our mind likes to say a lot of lies to us. You know, no, you can't do that. Remember this. Remember that. The mind is very selfish. And I'll get into that into another podcast. And I want to align with the Selfish Gene book that I really like to read. And uh, yeah, I'll get into that into another podcast. Um... I just want to say right now that Yoda is the fucking best. <laughs> you know? Well, I should say that George Lucas is the best. Because he was credited writing uh, Yoda. So, thanks, George. Appreciate it. You made my childhood full of great adventures. Uh, and there's deep metaphorical lessons to learn from stories of old and modern classics such as Star Wars. I implore anyone to read up on mythologies and look for these deeper meanings. Uh, I just ordered a complete guide to mythology and it comes in next week. So I will definitely be doing a show on that and connect it to the works of my favorite scholar, Joseph Campbell, who I'm sure you've heard his name a couple times in this podcast now. Uh, so he's credited for creating what they call as the hero's journey, which is like a 12 step thing, a uh, 12 step process that George Lucas himself followed to a T when he created Star Wars and Luke Skywalker and the whole lore behind everything. Um, so I also wanted to talk a little bit about where to get these knowledge. So like I said, this knowledge can come from anywhere. And if you come from a place that you're looking for it, you will find this knowledge and it will click in you. And when, like you said, once, like I said, if you, once you have an affirmation and you have specifics, because the affirmation has to be specific, you know, it can't be vague. So try to make your affirmations as non-vague as possible and to really, really focus on what you're trying to trying to get. And the you'll get influences and knowledge from all kinds of places. Um, I just use Star Wars because Star Wars is fucking cool. Uh, so I don't really consider myself to be a believer in the Christian faith. I was raised Catholic and a lot of my morals align in terms of charity and goodwill towards men. Um, I used to love going to church when I was a kid. Um, I don't know why, just something about the vibration and the, the verses and the ritual of it all. and I don't know, I just really liked it. Uh, but I feel as though the Bible is a metaphysical teacher in itself, giving us a deep dive into the knowledge of the mind and creating um, prosperity and expanding our subconscious mind for good. So, for example, build your house on the rock. So everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall 
because it had been founded on the rock. And anyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and a great fall that it was. Matthew 7:24 to 7. Oh, that Matthew. If we look at this verse, uh, you kind of would think, well, he's just talking about like building a house on a solid foundation so it doesn't crumble. Yeah, you could say that. But if we look at it from a metaphysical sense or mentalism, the house are, is our mind and spirit, and the rain and the floods and the winds are the negative, uncontrollable energies around us that cannot break our strong foundation of positivity and love. And I'd like to also add family. But if your mind wanders and shifts in negative thoughts and daily like sand, these negative energies will crumble your house and you will be constantly creating a new house to live in. Another one that I like is Philippines 4.8. And this one is, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Well, this one hits the nail right on the head. It's plain and simple. Terms, in terms, fix your mind, fix your life. Fix your life, fix your mind. So, with positive thinking, you can create a lot of goodness in your life. Uh, you can apply this thinking to your subconscious mind work, and it fits in perfectly with how you create real change in your life. Uh, there's a lot of many of examples of these types of verses uh, to interpret from all kinds of cultures and religions. I just chose these because I'm most familiar with them. Like I said, I grew up Catholic, so I'm familiar with these. So I decided to use them as references. So let's get into the workings of the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind can be referred to as the female energy or ying in Chinese medical theory. Feminine energy is not locked into genders or personas or identities, but rather traits and habits. It is the part of the mind that is nurturing, go with the flow, creative, and fun aspect of the eternal process. The subconscious mind is constantly taking care of your heartbeat, is awake while we're asleep, and is always running in the background, background, follow, background, <laughs> background following the lead of the conscious mind. So, again masculine mind feminine mind god and god and goddess which we'll get into that a little bit later think of your subconscious mind as your gps and it helps us give us information and direct uh on and uh direct uh, gives us information and direction on the input that we give it so if it's bombarded with negative negativity it'll lead us to negative ways and things in life if positive the opposite so if you put in the wrong address, you're not going to get where you want to go. But if you put in the right address, you get where you want to go. Right? Pretty simple. By communicating with your subconscious mind, uh, by using our conscious mind and showering it with positive thoughts and love, the subconscious mind will work in your favor more efficiently to things that you want to attract in your life and guide us to those things. Uh, again, I will be quoting Joseph Campbell. <laughs> again, he is my favorite. Uh, writes about the meeting of the goddess and the mythology as a representation of our inner subconscious self. And he writes, When all barriers and ogres, aka dark energy, have been overcome, it is commonly represented as a mythical marriage of the triumphant hero soul, conscious mind, with the queen goddess of the world, subconscious mind. 
This is the crisis of the Nadir, the Zenith, and of the utmost edge of the earth, and at the central point of the cosmos, in the tabernacle of the temple, or within the darkness of the deepest part of the heart. End quote. So what Campbell is referring to is that in mythology, is in, mo in most stories, it is the union of, with the, the goddess and the hero, or the male and the female energy, uh, that the hero is uh, binded in his heart to a true balance that the true darkness can be overcome. Another example of the corrective and nurturing nature of the goddess, or of femininity, is this. Uh, for she is incarnation of the promise of perfection. The sole assurance that, at a conclusion of its exile in a world of organized inadequacies, the bliss that was once known will be known again. The comforting, the nourishing, the good mother, young and beautiful, who was known to us and even in the remotest, remotest past. End quote. So, through our nurturing subconscious feminine energy, we can find peace of mind again and be in a place where we once stood before our trials and pain. So returning to our innocence and getting rid of that self-image of ourselves and being able to be clear and able to speak to our subconscious mind more clearly. So now we're going to get into the masculine energy, uh, which is the conscious mind. Uh, in a nutshell, the conscious mind is the doer and the awareness of all things that is you. Like... So like feminine energy is not locked into genders. So like feminine energy is not locked into genders or personas or identities. Uh, male energy is in Chinese uh, medical theory is described as yang and is the headstrong, proud, do things my way energy. So get shit done, you know, which serves its purpose and it's, it's very essential to life. Uh, the conscious mind is what we think, read and write and feel every day. Is basically like who we are uh, and it has the power to change its habitual thinking ways by reinforcing itself with positive loving thoughts of ourselves and others because you chose to that's the action and that's masculine energy I will I can Urgh. me man me do good a doctrine of the mental, uh, <laughs> a doctrine of mentalism called Hermetic Principles, uh, deal with conscious minds uh, by being aware of your thoughts and the effects it has on all things. So by focusing on one aspect or the other too much causes imbalances. Uh, so if your conscious mind is always focusing on uh, me good, I do good, uh, you become too ego driven. But then if your conscious mind drives too much ying, which is female energy, you kind of succumb to worrying and internal self-doubt and you become emotional and more feminine, which is not a bad thing. Time and place. So the balancing of these two energy is pretty paramount. Obviously, if you're feeling really sad, you know, or you lost someone, it's okay to, to release that feminine energy and you know, use it to heal. And it's okay if you want to get things done or stand your ground, you use that masculine energy. It's just all about balance and you coming to center after. You know, you can use both these energies, but it's paramount that you keep them in check at all times because balance is everything. 
Um, I know in our Western culture, we see a predominant influence of masculine energy that is like kind of rooted in deeper sociological and economical issues uh, that I find is attached with capitalistic ideas that has led us to uh, our, what our society is today. I will say that uh, you are starting to see a kind of a, uh, an influx of awakeness, I guess you could say. You see more people interested in the spiritual aspects of the world and uh getting into you know internal work and stuff like that so we're seeing a switch uh i'd like to hope to see it sooner but because uh, i know i remember when i was a kid growing up um there was a lot of masculine energy going around and you know maybe i was a little into my feminine energy when i was younger it was a little emotional uh but it definitely wasn't a pushover um but uh yeah, I can definitely see uh, how our Western civilization is more masculine heavy. Um, but that's okay. Everything has a purpose, and hopefully the pendulum swings the other way. Uh, so I want to get in a little bit about hermetic principles. I mentioned a little bit before, but I'd like to get into it now um, because I find it is essential. It's a nice little tool that I've used to kind of correct my thinking. And uh, it's one of the oldest forms of metaphysics uh, and is believed to be taught to the man himself, Aristotle, uh, before he created his own works on metaphysics. Uh, and in the first rule of seven uh, hermetic principles, uh, it describes the mind as the all and the universe is mental. So this kind of falls in with the idea that the subconscious mind is the universe and is connected to all things. Uh, so in my training as a shaman, I, uh, I have been taught the knowledge of the Universal Library, which uh, was not really an unknown idea to me. I remember I had a dream about it, about this vast library with sheathed in gold. And there's all these books and there was just so much knowledge there and I, I still remember it to this day. But if any of you ever read the book Dreamcatcher, I know this is fiction, but uh, in Stephen King's book, uh, the group of kids who are get bestowed the knowledge from the alien about the powers of the mind and how they have this thing called the memory library. It's kind of like that. So much like the same concept, the universal library is where we shamans go to ask for all of our questions for guidance. It is uh, my belief that the two uh, subconscious mind and the universal library are in fact the same and is a vast deep energy wave of knowledge to help guide us to love and prosperity uh, when asking for guidance or help well, you know you have to ask the right questions with the truest intentions of love and peace or the answers don't really come to you um, so Wicca magic uses these same principles of subconscious mind work in its rituals. Again, all magic, all science was once magic. So this falls into psychology and affirmations and all that stuff. Uh, it's a little bit different because it is a type of religion and believing in the god and goddess and the seasons and stuff like that, which I think are pretty neat. And, uh, you know, they pay a lot of respect to nature, which I totally respect. Um... I'm going to use an example of a little simple money attraction spell I learned last year. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> learning a little bit of Wicca. No, it's not just for girls. Basic white girls. I can do magic too. Uh, so when performing rituals, uh, you got to kind of clear your mind and visualize yourself 
So it's a simple attraction money spell, which I'm going to be talking about right now. So like I said, you clear your mind and you visualize yourself, uh, say, either paying a bill or buying the thing you want uh, with money that you don't have. And then you draw the bill on a piece of paper uh, or a picture of the thing that you want and you write paid on it and you burn that idea in your head and ask the god and goddess, masculine and feminine, conscious and subconscious mind, uh, for help to attract money to pay your, or buy whatever you want. You then, then you light two candles representing these two deities and then you would usually burn some incense that associate with those, um, those things that you want. Uh, then burn the letter picture or picture. And then every day ask both the God and Goddess, conscious and subconscious, male and female, uh, for help. And you visualize paying that bill or buying that item until you are confronted with that said opportunity to think to attract. Uh, the subconscious mind uh, will be looking over your shoulder every day, kind of waiting for that opportunity to arise, and it will cue your conscious mind to act in an event in which it will lead you to what you desire. So, much like the third principle of Hermeticism, the principle of correspondence, and it says, as above, so below, as below, so above, as within, so without, as without, so within. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Maybe Satanism? <laughs> the devil! The devil! <laughs> yeah, so in Satanism, they do have the the, uh, the phrase, as above, so below. And really what that is, is the principles and the ideals, this principle deals with what you create in your mind is a reflection in your world, and what you create in your world reflects within your mind. So by doing good, you will feel good. When you feel, uh, feel and think good, your world will be good. But, do, uh, but don't really have hidden engenders or hidden meanings because like balance is everything, like I said. And you throw off your subconscious uh, mind and energy flows and un uh, with untrue, devious intentions. Just don't, don't put out bad mojo, man. Don't be a dick. Yeah. So that's the end of this podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for coming right to the end. Um, I had some other stuff that I wanted to add into it, but I think I'm going to save that for another podcast because I'm getting close to the hour mark. Uh, so I just want to do a little conclusion that with everything is about balance and to be mindful of your thoughts and to try and find a way to go within your side of yourself and seek the thing that gives you trouble on day to day, that gives you that self-image that always carries around with you. Ask the question and be honest with yourself about the answer. And then once you get that answer, you keep asking the question until you get to your answer. Now that's one way of doing it when you're awake, but sometimes meditation is a better way. And you just ask your subconscious mind for help to guide yourself to the answer what you're looking for. So I hope this uh, podcast was informative and I hope you guys liked it. I would like to take this time to say that I do have an Instagram page and a Facebook page and I'm looking to grow my audience a little bit. So if you could, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. If you reach out, if you have any questions or inquiries or if you'd like to collab with me on any podcast, I would be more than really happy to do that. And uh, I want to take this time again to say thank you again so much for tuning in. And I'll see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Peace and love, guys. Take care.
Bye-bye. Thank you.